Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This special episode of After Work Drinks is brought to you by me, Period Care for the Modern Woman. Hello everybody and welcome back to That Time of the Month, an ongoing partnership between After Work Drinks, us, Grace O'Neill and Isabel Truman, (laughs) and our friends over at Me, the period care brand designed by and for the modern day woman. So a recurring theme that crops up whenever we speak to you guys, which is often and through Instagram and Facebook, is the shame that so many women have around their bodies. It's something that me and Izzy talk about all the time and we're just talking about before we started recording this episode. And whenever we field questions from you, there are always dozens about reproductive health, hormones, sex, periods, mental health, all these really important things to women that we still weirdly consider to be too taboo to talk about. Which is why we've partnered with me on this new series, which will explore some of the most asked questions about our bodies while talking to some remarkable women that make up the Me Collective. Last week, we had on the amazing Eliza McCartney, and we talked all about the hormones and all the different hormones in our bodies, and also um, what that means for Eliza, who's a professional athlete. So she has won an Olympic medal. She's casually. Casually. <laughs> yeah. So that was a really interesting conversation. This week, we are talking about harnessing your cycle for productivity with help from an expert, Sarah Widowson, who in the second half of this episode will discuss why it's so important that we as women track our cycle and know which parts of the month are best for us in terms of productivity, strength, emotional availability, etc. Yeah, so harnessing your cycle, as we have realized more and more, the more we've researched this episode, literally means the difference between your ability to complete work tasks well and easy with how you exercise, with what's happening in your relationships, with what's happening with your sex drive, your friendships. Um, So it's kind of insane and wild to us the more we read about it that we haven't been doing this 
for years yeah since we, we were, were kids. taught it in school <laughs> so sarah covers off um you know the, the contraceptive pill and what that does to your cycle getting off the pill hormonal acne shame around periods and women's health um so it's a really fascinating conversation um and she's kind of very well trained and equipped with the language to answer a lot of these questions that we had lingering after our research yes but first of course we are going to drink martinis that we just made yes um and also go through the questions we asked on instagram a couple of weeks ago we got so many answers thank you all um so we wanted to go over your stories and comments and discuss them in detail detail so we asked a bunch of questions on Instagram, which we've done a few times, and mm. this was by far, would you say, yeah, the by most far. intensive with like hundreds of replies yeah. on all the questions and it's we did. Made us realize how there's because we asked what topics you want us to cover off, and we're gonna do our best to cover them in these next two episodes. But honestly, we've like realized how important this conversation is, and we're definitely gonna speak way more about women's health and our bodies and dive into these topics yeah um, we've had people reaching out asking about so many like we can't uh answer the remit of every question around women's health and bodies in three episodes but Um, we're definitely going to cover it more and speak more to experts on afterward drinks and kind of do more broad topics okay so let's jump in um Firstly, we asked everyone what their first period was like and whether they had all the info they needed. And honestly, so many girls had never been spoken to about it, which is, I don't think my mum ever talked to me about it, which is weird because she, we, we had like a really open dynamic, but it's, 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 I think that older generation has this weird kind of shame and stigma around it so much more that then it's passed down. You just there was no conversation no i only found out about it like i said last episode because i actively sought it out yeah so i asked my mom what porn was and then i asked her what a tampon was yeah. and then that's how i found out about periods but i think if i'd never asked so a few people literally thought that they'd um shat themselves and they had right. no idea what was going on um because it's scary like a period i think when i was young looking. when i was young i thought when people said you like bled once a month i thought it was literally like a few drops yeah and then when it comes you're like holy fuck Mm. it's so intense it's so intense and also if you had no idea what it was you would be terrified yeah and also you don't know how often you need to change a tampon no i would never have tampons on me um and also you don't know the different colors it's gonna be you don't know that it goes that like brown color Mm -hmm. on the last few days um so a few people thought they were dying (laughs) It's not funny, but it's like kind of funny. It is funny. But yeah, you would if you didn't know anything about it. And then all of a sudden you were like heavily bleeding. Lots of poor angels got theirs while they were on school camp. Oh, that's so relatable. Oh, God. Um, lots of people, they were saying they felt really ashamed and disgusting. It's so it's so sad. Women are weird. We are just drawn this insane card in life where just nothing is taken seriously. But it's funny, I... I I was actually saying that the other day um, because I track my cycle on the Flow app Mm. and I now note down, even on days, so even on days where I'm not coming up to my period or anything like that, I will note down if I'm feeling moody and then Mm -hmm. I like look back on other months. And so the other day I was supposed to come to your house for work and I was like, 
I messaged you and said, I can't come around. I woke up and I was feeling so angry, so upset, mm-hmm. so hormonal. And then I checked my flow app and I was going to get my period in three days. Mm-hmm. So I logged it in. But the whole day, like I would get up and I was like, okay, just get out of this mood. There's no reason for you to be in this mood. And you're definitely way kinder to yourself when you track your period because you, when you know that it's PMS, you, you're kind of like, okay. I'll go a bit easier on myself. I like that's maybe why I couldn't do the whole five k run this morning. That's maybe why I'm craving chocolate. Just chill out. But then I was saying to the guy I'm dating, so I, I messaged him and I was like, I'm just so grumpy today. Just like, just go away. <laughs> um, and then he was like, it's so crazy that women deal with this every single month. And also that a lot of the time you don't even feel comfortable telling a guy that it's PMS because of all the stigma around it. So instead of so I was like, I'm so grumpy today. And he was like, why? And I went to kind of say, I don't know. And then I was like, it's PMS. It's my hormones. It's mm-hmm. a fact. Like last week, we were, when we were talking about all these hormones, and actually Sarah goes into detail about um, the different changes in your body over the course of a month. It's literally one hormone coming in and changing your body and then one leaving, and that's why you get PMS. And so it's completely justified that we feel crazy because our body's craving that hormone that's left. She, Sarah goes into detail, which is, and I, and I just listened back to our chat with her and I was like, I've got PMS. I'm hormonal because I'm going to get my period in three days and my hormones are changing. And he's yeah. Like, it's a so, physiological yeah. thing. Yeah. And he's like, that's so wild that women deal with that every single month. And you don't even talk about it because you feel bad that you're a grumpy woman. Exactly. And it's just written off as being, it's so funny. Like it's, it's like that thing with so much stuff about being a woman where all of the structures that we're going to get into this um, shortly, but all of the structures around the working week, around expectations of productivity, around just how we structure society are based on what best fits white men. And that's not being a white men. It's just literally the truth about how the people that have dominated society have made the way society functions fit their own existence right Mm -hmm. and it's like women are trying to slot into that and we're realizing now more and more and opening more and more up about the fact that that system doesn't necessarily work for us because um scientifically we're going through flux all we're in flux all the time in terms of our emotions and our feelings and our mental health and our physical health it's just crazy yeah so back to the questions we also asked um did you feel shame around your period and tampons um and these i'm gonna read out some of the answers God, yes, tampons were never allowed in my house as they were seen as kind of dirty growing up. 100% still do to this day. It feels like something I have to hide, especially working with men. Still have to hide it at work as no bins or supplies. Um, At a co-ed school, on her period was an insult and we learned to be quiet about it. Um, Yeah, I didn't use tampons until I was older as my mum had a lot of shame around them. When I was 11, a girl in class used tampons and was labelled a slut for it. Didn't use tampons until age 20. My dad constantly made me feel ashamed as a teenager about it. Um, yeah, my mum is one of those mums who only wanted me to use a pad. The thought of sticking my finger up there made me feel ashamed. I remember feeling that. I remember feeling ashamed to put my finger in, to put a tampon in. Yeah, and I think so many people that we talked about last week, so many people went to religious schools or Christian schools, and there was literally in the curriculum, I think, taught to use pads over tampons because there was this like fucked up ridiculous fear about breaking your hymen mm. which was another theme i wrote another recurring theme in people's responses is that people had this weird thing the hymen thing is so weird and creepy that we're even remember ti got yes i literally 
got a doctor to check his daughter's hymen to see if she's still a virgin. That's so That's weird. That's so, so weird. And that sucks because I love the song Whatever You Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, um, yeah, I remember that was such a thing when I was young and I had such – because I used to horse ride. I was like, do I have horse girl energy? Kind of, when like, you say that. Now I say yeah. it. I used to horse ride a lot, and there was a big thing with young girls who were horse went horse riding that you could break your hymen by horse riding. But who cares? But like, why did I even know that when I was 10? That's yeah. so weird. What's the deal with the hymen? I know. Like, And then when I had sex for the first time, I was like expecting to feel this thing burst and blood to happen because I just had this big thing in my head that the hymen was a big thing and the hymen and the hymen. And it's just not even a thing. I don't know anyone... Who had that experience when they had sex where like their hymen noticeably broke and they felt it and then that minute was broke and that was it. Like yeah, I don't I understand know. that whole thing. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's so, it's so, um, it's like how we've been talking about Princess Diana lately and on that You're Wrong About podcast, they were talking about how um, important it was that she was a virgin to marry Charles. That was basically the whole reason that he wasn't allowed to marry Camilla because she'd slept with people before. It's so it's bizarre. It's so weird. And it's so caught up in religious teachings. Mm. And it's funny because our generation is such a massive jump from our parents' generation. I don't think our parents' generation were necessarily super religious in a like traditional sense of being religious, but I think they saw religion as very, very important culturally. Mm. And so we all went to a lot of us went to religious schools and were taught these really, really, really like retro fucked up things about women's sexuality. And they just stick with you. If you learn these things when you're eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, even later when you can logically talk yourself out of it, you still have this caveman knee jerk reaction to things that make you feel shame about your pussy. Yeah. Pussy. Pussy. Um, okay. What do you wish you knew about your period when you were young? That it can last for five days, that it's normal and not gross, that you can swim still. Us last <laughs> week at Athletics Day. That every girl will have a different experience, how to manage cramps and pain, that contraception can alter your mood, that they come at various ages, your cycle can be harnessed for productivity, that it isn't the same for everyone. I wish boys knew more about it. So true. Why are men not taught anything about this? At all. They still men still find periods scary and weird, even in your late twenties, early thirties. And even like we're going to talk actually about next week about period sex but Mm -hmm. just yeah feeling gross about a woman having her period and not yeah uh that intense pains are not normal which is another which is a massive one actually while i was reading these um these answers i was basically text bombing my teenage sister who's on the pill because she gets quite intense period pain and she doesn't need it for contraception um, and I was text bombing her just being like, I just need you to know that intense pain is not normal. And the doctor that threw you on the pill so that you didn't get a period so that you wouldn't feel pain. Yeah. Seems it's backwards. Yes. It's, it's just that's what they did to all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just masking a problem. And I was like, you can harness your cycle for productivity. Get off the pill. And she was like, oh my God. She, <laughs> to our podcast she woke up week. and she was like, it's 7am in New Zealand. Um, this is too early. This and I'm just harassing her. Um, <laughs> That PMDD is a thing, which we talked about last week. More about endo and symptoms to look out for. So true. I knew nothing about endometriosis until literally like a year ago mm-hmm. when like Lena Dunham and people Yeah, when celebrities came it. out yeah. saying they had it. Yeah. Um, and I wish the hormonal side was explained more. All very true. Then we asked whether people track their cycles um, and if so, how has it changed your life? Um, 
actually a lot of people say that they track their cycle literally just by the pill which actually isn't the same thing because when you're on the pill you don't ovulate so you won't be you won't be feeling the same uh moods and emotions which sarah actually goes into in detail sarah explained this and this is again this podcast has been such a fascinating this like spin-off of the podcast has been such a fascinating experience for us because it's taught us the most basic things that we just didn't understand i did not understand as someone who was on the pill for many years and who whose body rejected the pill the whole time I was on it. Um, when I was 16, I started on the pill and it used to make me throw up every single day. <laughs> so I don't even think it was working. Yeah. Um, but it made me so sick. And then it made me like really mentally all over the place. And through that whole period, no one explained to me that the pill gives you like a false period. Mm. It's masking your menstruation yeah, it's so when you take a week off the pill, which Sarah will explain, when you take a week off the pill and you get you bleed, that's not the same as a real period, mm-hmm. which I didn't know until we were on the phone with her. I, I thought I, I would stop the pill every three weeks to let, to let myself get a period because mm-hmm. I thought that was keeping my body healthy. I thought that because you know how you can not you can not get your period for ages. Yeah, yeah. I always felt like that was naughty. I was like, God, I need to keep getting my period every month because then I'll keep my cycle um regular or whatever and then i'm you know getting that i don't even know what i thought getting the blood out of my body i don't know yeah but then it doesn't even make a difference so if you're on the pill you just it's not real anyway so yeah and why did no one ever explain that to us like even the process of getting contraception felt shameful like every time i went to the doctor if you get the morning after pill holy crap oh my god so i've got the morning after pill biggest Smart. Yeah, I've got it three times. In Australia, to be fair, I've had it twice in Australia and both times they were like, yep, <laughs> they just like threw it at me out the door, which is fine. They're not like that in New Zealand. In New they... Zealand, I think it's the same as the UK where they take you into a room and question you. Mm. And we did that in um, we did that in London in around lockdown time and it was awful. Like I had this guy and he was really judgmental and I felt so uncomfortable. And Zach was outside of the room, which I understand because it's me taking it, but it just made me feel so annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> that I was being single handedly blamed for this kind of mishap. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, in New Zealand they take you into a room and make and ask you all these questions. Um like when was like I know they kinda need to know when it was, but do you really? Like if like just be like was it within the last 24 hours? Yeah, I don't know. It just, it's just weird. But um, yeah, a lot of people say that they use apps and it makes them more mindful of their moods. Um, yes, they, this person um, prepped for PMS mood swings and reminds me I'm not crazy, which is how I feel as well. I feel more in sync with my body and empowered because I track my period. helps me connect to my body and my skin. Um, someone got a tattoo on ovulation day and barely felt it. That's how much they harness their cycle. Wow. That's crazy. Um, now no longer surprised when one week a month I fancy every guy between the age of 24 to 50 (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and change my life completely I literally plan around the good and bad days so yeah actually on the topic of the pill um, we did have a person write in and said I would love you to talk about why so many women are going off the pill now and because she was basically like I'm still on the pill is it bad for me to still be on it um, and why so many women are going off it. And I think it's just, I think the thing is, is it's like, if you can not be like, that's why I was saying to my little sister, I was like, you don't need to be on this. So why would you be putting a pill in your body every day? But then also if it works for you and you're not, um, feeling 
like so for me it works for me i haven't been on it for the past year but that's literally because it ran out when i was um single and depressed not sleeping <laughs> not sleeping with anyone um and then now i'm trying to get back on it even though i don't really want to but i would rather be on the pill and know that i'm safe sorry i'm whacking my wine um and know that i am safe and um Yes, and when we did an episode about um, the pill and people's experiences of the pill, which is a couple of years old now, a massive thing <laughs> like, that we... Yeah, maybe it's a couple of years old. The podcast is, is a couple of years old. Yeah, yeah. like a year and a yeah, half. Yeah, it was yeah, an yeah. early After It Drinks episode. And uh, we had a lot of people who had negative experiences with the pill, but then we also had a lot of people saying, please don't use this episode to demonize taking mm. the pill because it's really useful and effective and life-changing for a lot of women. And also, what's that movie called? There's a movie with Michael Caine from the 60s um, that's about how liberating the pill was for women when it first came out. It was like a game-changing feminist thing for women to be able to be in control of their own contraception in that way. So it's not about being negative about the pill or shitting on the pill. I think it's about the fact that many women feel like it's either the pill or condoms or barebacking. <laughs> and, bare-backing? you know, like things have become so much more sophisticated. And I think it's about saying that the pill works for a certain percentage of women really well, mm. but it doesn't work for a lot of women. Yeah. And for those women, they should feel completely empowered to speak out about why it's not working and find something else that does work for them. You shouldn't have to suffer through pain, massive emotional fluxes, Weight um, gain. All of the side effects, weight gain, drastic weight gain and loss, mm. um, skincare issues, like anything, all of those things that we're kind of just taught to suck up and accept because it's the only way that we can be on contraception. I think it's just kind of about opening that conversation up. My friend the other day was really funny. She was just like, I've gone off the pill because I'm sick of taking it. And mm-hmm. my boyfriend is now going to use condoms every single time we have sex because I don't care. She was yeah. like, I don't need his cum. <laughs> for me to have great sex i don't need it no no woman needs that no so it's like if it's like if you want to if you mm-hmm. want to ejaculate yeah you deal with it yeah you exactly. sort it out it's yours i don't want it take it away from me yeah use a condom yeah exactly i think it's just like shifting the conversation because i don't know if it's different for the generation below us but i know for me it was just Get your period, start having sex, get on the pill. Yeah. End of story. Totally. It was there was and just also, no conversation about like, hey, guess what? There's this thing called the pill, but actually as it turns out, it makes like X percentage of women feel really fucking mentally unhinged when they're on it. So if you're not feeling great in the first six months, you shouldn't take it and you should not be feeling guilty or ashamed or anything. You should be looking at other things. And if you're a woman whose body doesn't react to the pill, your boyfriend just has to use condoms. And that's just like yeah, or there's the end of story. Well. Or there's I'm, the Nuva ring and the yeah. copper implant and the blah, blah, blah. Like the there's, yeah, there's so much stuff. It's just, I think the hard part is how rushed doctors are. Like I, I think mm. it's just so hard to get in a room and say, this doesn't work for me and this works because they're just trying to find a solution. Yeah. And it's like, um, what do you call it? Um, gynecologists. I feel like when I was young and watched Sex in the City, I was like, oh, when I'm older, I'll just have a gynecologist that I see once a yeah. month or something. And I looked up the other day just out of interest and a gynecology, a private gynecology appointment in London is like 250 pounds. Yeah, wow. Just $500. Mm. And I'm like, that's just a luxury that literally no one can afford yeah. unless you're a billionaire. So if you want someone that just looks at your 
specifically is trained for your reproductive health or whatever your vaginal health (laughs) pussy health health. like you can't afford it and I was like that sucks because I would love to have someone that I knew and trusted that I could see regularly and talk to about things but that's just too much money I wanted to talk to you quickly about a really great article that was in the financial times last year which is basically about this kind of new trend in certain workplaces to shift the way that menstrual health and periods are viewed and making workplaces making workplaces catered to women's menstrual cycles. It's really, really fascinating. So Maisie Hill, who is someone that me and Izzy are very inspired by, wrote the book Period Power in 2019. And the whole idea of that book was about the fact that managing your menstruation properly won't only make you feel better, but it'll make you perform better at work because mm. it's this whole thing we're talking about, about harnessing the times in your period where you're more social where you're more energetic where your testosterone is higher so maybe you're better at like being a badass in meetings or um times where you're more social so you're better at networking or times where you're more empathetic so you're better at team meetings and team building or whatever um this is a new area of research and companies as big as pricewaterhousecooper and deloitte which are big financial businesses and now starting to talk to people like Maisie Hill about how they can educate their employees about period power, basically, and about how they can harness their menstrual cycle for productivity at work and how they can speak more with their bosses about how their menstrual cycle is affecting their performance at work. Um, so what some people are comparing it to and what they discuss in this article is about how maternity leave didn't exist until women started demanding it in the kind of 50s. and so wild. Yeah, because it's this idea that men just weren't thinking about it and they were the ones that controlled the companies. So the idea is that there now should be a push at companies to recognize menstrual leave in the same way they recognize maternity leave and that the only way to get that is for women to kind of come together and demand it because they're not just going to be given it because it's the exact same thing as maternity leave. And in um, wait, wait. it's literally just what we were talking about before. How I how um, how men just don't even think about it, and because women we we hide it so much, we hide that we have PMS because you feel stupid that you're feeling angry. You're exactly. And this article touches on the fact that in the past, which we've talked about, which we've talked about a lot in the podcast, is that in the past feminists have seen progress for women as getting on the same level as competing with men in the workplace. And that's often meant ignoring these like really essential parts of your own experience and anatomy to just compete with men on their terms. Mm. Whereas now we're having these kind of more nuanced, interesting conversations about the fact that the way that women thrive and do their best work and are the most effective won't be the same way that a man does because the way that like physiologically we're built might just be a little bit different. So in Indonesia, Taiwan and Japan, menstrual leave is a legal right. So you can take several days off per month. Wow. When you have cramps or um, are feeling particularly like moody or aggravated or sad or down, you're allowed to take time off work every okay, single month. countries. Yes. And apparently this is really interesting. Menstrual leave exists in industries where women are the only employees and where they're very poorly paid. So Nike, for example, offers menstrual leave to its garment factory workers, but not to the rest of its staff internationally. 
Why? Because... Just like as a bonus for getting paid nothing. Well, as a effective tool for like realizing that when women in these all-female environments are having particularly bad days when they're menstruating, it's bad for their productivity. So they allow them days off, but they don't extend it to women. And they, and they wouldn't pay them for those days off. And they don't, I, I don't, it doesn't say, yeah. but I'm assuming not. Yeah. And in 2017, Italy attempted to introduce three days of paid period leave per month. And the measures were defeated because people were worried that it would stigmatize Italian women in the workplace and make people less likely to hire women because they had to pay them to not work three days a week, three days a month. Mm, so it's God. really, really fascinating. So yeah. fascinating. So there's a new company in Bristol called Coexist and their whole business is built around um, letting their menstruating employees cater to their menstrual cycles in the way that they work. It means employees can take a day's leave or work from home or have kind of rest periods throughout their cycle and they really clearly communicate with the other people in the workspace so that people can pick up the slack on those days. So, so there's good. kind of an open system where the actual experience that you're having while you're menstruating, other employees can sympathize with and empathize with, and they can pick up your work on certain weeks and you'll pick up their work on certain weeks. Um, That's amazing. That's even like the other day realizing that I had PMS and it wouldn't be a good day for us to work. And yeah. just saying, I can't do it today. I'm not coming to your house. I don't want to leave the house. And I just stayed at home all day yeah. and felt grumpy and ate what I wanted and just tried to be kind to myself. Because it's like, and you, and I can tell you, I have PMS. I'm not coming. And then yeah. obviously you don't want me to work that day because I'm going to be crap. And the thing is that me and you are very lucky where we're in a position where it's like a two-person, young, millennial, woke menstruating team so we can empathize with this but you think about it on a larger scale you can see how this is just not recognized by companies which is crazy because Maisie Hill who we again you guys should look at her work she's fantastic but she says we talk about the menstrual cycle being detrimental to women but it actually gives us an edge that we can utilize to our great advantage Maisie Hill says that men who attend her talks often end up jealous that they don't have this approach to bring into their lives and way of working So it's about kind of shifting your perspective as we have the luxury of doing, of saying the way that your cycle works and your heightened um, empathy versus your lowered productivity, all of those things being in flux can actually make you a much better employee. Oh, 100%. Or way better at your job. Yeah. um, If you learn how to harness them. If If you know which weeks are better for you to be doing presentations, if you know which weeks are better for you to be doing, like doing networking, going to work events, um, doing, finishing, yeah, presentations, assignments, et cetera, at uni. Um, it literally is life-changing. If you know, if so what happens with me is when I go for a run and I, if, like, I'm not a runner, so I can literally only run 5K without just wanting to die, but I... It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I'm, like, flexing. Yeah, um, like, I can only run, like, 15K at a time, but whatever. I can only, I can, I can only run, like, a half marathon <laughs> every... Wasn't even my personal best. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I will go for a run around the park, and if I, because I know I can run it, but some days I literally can't. Some days I honestly can't. I will be running, and I'm like, I just, and I'll stop, and I'll start, and I'll stop, and I'll start, and I'll get home, and I beat myself up, and I'm so angry about Mm. it. And then now you, once you track your uh, cycle, you realize that some days you're going to find it way harder to exercise than others, and that just means you can be kinder to yourself, and it also means that on the days where you're, like. Even I was supposed to be having a few people around for dinner 
the other day and I was like, I just don't want to do it because I'm about to get my period. I feel PMS and I don't want to socialize with anyone. Book it in a week or two. Happy as Larry. Exactly. And if you're aware of the way that that cycle works, then you'll book your social events. Yeah in cohesion with your cycle and then you won't have these kind of conflicting feelings and it will just lessen the fucking beating yourself up that women do constantly Mm. which is so it's just it's just funny to me like I, i read something that said that um men's cycles in terms of uh reproducing are daily cycles right so there's this kind of i don't know if the word is a conspiracy but there's this theory that the nine to five working week is designed to fit with men's daily cycles because men have most of their energy when they wake up at six, they have a burst of energy from kind of nine till two. It starts to wane and then really drops off at five. This is the theory. So the nine to five working week works fantastically with the physiological makeup of men yeah obviously that would be what it is which then makes sense right and it's like for for um women or like women in terms of being able to to reproduce um your cycle works monthly so that process that men might have in 24 hours you're having over 30 days or 28 days and so you should be given the opportunity to shift the way that you function in your life to fit your cycle so maybe you concentrate your working output in week-long chunks or days-long chunks and the way your working day looks is entirely different to your male co-workers but it's just as if not more effective mm. it honestly makes so much sense i think i think that in 10 years time that will be a proper implemented thing at every single company where women and men work completely differently and you work to your cycle and you work. So like some days you literally won't go to work at all for three days of a month, maybe because you have PMS and you're not going to be productive. And then on the days where you're really, really, really great. So like in the days before you ovulate, you work more, you yeah. work six day weeks maybe and or whatever. Well, yeah. Know. However you, yeah, however you want. And I think with coronavirus, like and obviously we're saying this we hope it's obvious as we're saying this that we're not making sweeping statements about everyone obviously this is completely different from person to person and there are people who might not feel a drastic difference in their emotions from day to day when they're going through their menstrual cycle and will say well I don't want to have to change and be treated differently to men in my workplace because I don't feel like it affects me but from the feedback that we've had and from the women that we talk to and the listeners that we talk to it's a huge thing that affects a lot of people and I think it's really important that as we move forward with the feminist conversation, we're honest about the fact that the way women function often is different to men. And that should be like celebrated and embraced and investigated and worked around instead of just shutting it down and saying, you just need to shut the fuck up and just Mm. act the same way that men do. If you want to be successful, it just doesn't work. Uh, I am going to say the last thing before we hand over to Sarah um, so we'll get your notes at get your notes app ready because she's got she's got some pearlers. Mm. But um, we cannot do this episode without mentioning Scotland, the first country in the whole world to make period products free, which is absolutely wild. Period poverty is such a huge issue. We're going to talk about it a bit next week, mm-hmm. actually. But um, the fact that last week we talked about a lot of young girls at school who wouldn't come to school when they had their period a lot of it is because they can't afford period products Mm -hmm. periods happen to half the population 
and you have to fork out for this cost. So so Scotland, big ups. It's my I'm I'm like a quarter Scottish. Yes, you lived in Scotland for a while. Lived in Scotland for a while. Fuck yes. Scotland. New Zealand should be next. New Zealand should be next. Let's get Cindy on and talk to her about it. Yeah, get her on the blower. Get her on the blower. We're so excited to be partnering with me to bring you these special episodes which are focused on women's health. Me is the new modern period care brand that has been designed to be displayed proudly and openly on your shelf, not hidden away. Me is committed to championing a new narrative around period care through empowering campaigns, collaborations and charity partnerships holding space for all people with periods and the issues that are important to them. Through the Me Collective, a group of empowered and empowering women, three of whom we're talking to on this podcast, Me is bringing a spotlight to topics from periods to pregnancy, miscarriages to menopause, hormones to holistic health. Me is vegan, dermatologically tested and free of synthetic dyes, fragrances and chlorine and Me's unique hybrid design consists of a considered blend of certified and sustainably sourced 100% organic cotton and performance-based synthetic material, showcasing the very best combination of form and function. Plus, Me's pads and liners have a biodegradable sleeves and all products have recyclable cardboard exterior packaging. In addition to all this, Me is committed to ensuring every person who needs access to period care products can do so and is working alongside Kids Can in an effort to help alleviate period poverty in New Zealand. Plus, also of importance, it is very, very chic. Find out more at mecollective.com. Okay, we're going to hand over to Sarah now, who is a registered dietitian, um, and after years of working with women um, at a fertility and gynecology clinic, she launched your monthly in 2017. So after losing her period while training for an ultra marathon, Sarah realized she wanted to take the conversation she was having with women one-on-one in a clinic space to a wider audience to help educate women everywhere, not just about nutrition, but also about their overall health. So she launched your monthly, which is this incredible, uh, platform. Um, and you can book in with her to do consultations. Actually, after talking to her, both of us are going to do a consultation. Yes. We're obsessed. Um, so after our chat last week, we got Sarah to explain our cycles in more detail um, and hormones in more detail and much better than we did. Um, and exactly how you can harness your cycle for productivity. She also talks about the contraceptive pill, which we just touched on, exactly what it does to your body and how to make informed choices about contraception, the difference between post-pill acne and normal hormonal acne, and also how to help cure both and combating period shame. So over to Sarah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Sarah. 
Kara. Hello. Hello. How Hi. Are good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So we're so excited to talk to you about all of this stuff because it's so fascinating. Um, we wanted to kick off by asking you about your monthly, um, which you started after you lost your period when training and competing for an ultra marathon in 2017. Um, can you just explain to our listeners exactly what your monthly is and the kind of process of you realizing that women have quite a big gap in knowledge about their own bodies? So I started your monthly in 2017, but well before that, I was already working with women as a dietitian. So I'm a New Zealand registered dietitian and I was working at a fertility and gynecology clinic here in Christchurch, New Zealand. And I, yeah, I had this experience of training for an ultra marathon, which was amazing. Uh, but even though I had all of what I thought, <laughs> this health knowledge, um, I went through that experience um, not being very well, I guess, losing my period. Um, but also at that time in my life, it was a really good time to have a think about how I could take the conversation I was having with women on a one-on-one setting in my clinic space to kind of a wider audience, which is why I started your monthly. Um, And I wanted it to be a place that was not just about tools and tips um, around like nutrition, obviously, but also having almost like the social justice um, or education standpoint as well, helping females to understand that having a period is so much more than just that annoying bleed that comes every month and that the idea of being fertile isn't just for people trying to conceive. I I really think and believe that having a period and ovulating every month, so therefore being fertile is a a vital sign, just like having a healthy heart rate or a blood pressure or a body temperature, Um, just like all these other ways that we measure health in our life, I really do believe that a period also represents that. So yeah, I started your monthly to try and have that conversation with a wider audience. So I continue to work with women one-on-one in a clinic space, but also do a lot of online work as well, which I love. We would absolutely love it if you could just talk us through the different hormones in women's bodies and what that actually means for us, because I feel like we, even though we have our period every single month, we just have absolutely no idea really what's going on or what that means for us on every level, like from emotional to physical. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, you know, being hormonal, a lot of the time it's quite a negative conversation. Like we kind of joke amongst ourselves as women, like, oh, I'm so hormonal. Or when we feel kind of out of control in our bodies, maybe if it's like acne or cravings that we're having or bloating or whatever, we wish those hormones away. And when you understand what they're doing for us and and the beautiful, really precious cascade of events that has to happen for a female to ovulate and therefore have a period, it's pretty amazing what our bodies can do. So to explain the different hormones, it's probably easiest if I talk you through a cycle, which can be a bit of a a science ride. So I'll try to not use Mm -hmm. too much jargon. So it's easy (laughs) to understand. Um, So every month, a part of your brain called the hypothalamus actually controls ovulation. And it's a part of your brain that's really, uh, it's really literal and it's quite primitive. So I explain this to clients as, you know, if you're watching a scary movie and, you know, the scary clown comes on the screen or whatever, and you get a jump and a heart rate and, you know, you get the dry mouth of adrenaline and you get the shakes, your hypothalamus is creating a stress hormone response, even though there's hopefully no scary clown in your house. So even though the rational part of your brain knows that you're okay, that part of your brain, your hypothalamus, 
controls things um, on that really primitive level, and it's the same for ovulation. So every month your hypothalamus says, yes, you know, Sarah, for example, I want her to ovulate. And you make two precursor hormones to ovulation called luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone. And then those two hormones get your ovaries excited to make estradiol, which is a type of estrogen. So that first part of your cycle where estrogen is your dominant female sex hormone, we're really, it's our fertile window's beginning. And if you think about what it would mean to be fertile, it makes sense how estrogen makes us feel as a female. So for example, we're quite confident. Um, we're more social critters at that time of the month. So you might notice in yourself that you're more eager to say yes to you know, an after work drink or um, a new gym class that you've never been to before. Or maybe that presentation that you have to do at work doesn't feel as scary. And if you understand like on a um, really primitive level, we're more fertile and wanting to interact with others a little bit more. I think that makes a lot of sense. Estrogen is also really important for things like vaginal lubrication, so it helps us to experience less painful sex. And estrogen also has a responsibility in uh, the symbiosis of our uh, bacteria that live in our vagina. So I meet lots of women who don't get a period, for example, or, or don't ovulate, therefore don't have estrogen, and they experience reoccurring thrush as well. Estrogen also shuts down appetite or reduces appetite, and that's because it helps us to use uh, the energy that we get from food really easily. So there's lots of good research to support that females are stronger um, in you know, the exercise that we like to do at that part of the month, and that we have more desire to exercise as well. And estrogen also, if she doesn't need any more kind of gold medals to her name, she's also um, amazing for developing bone strength as well. So I talk a lot with clients about the importance of having a period, particularly in our teenage and early adolescent years, uh, to help us have what's called peak bone mineral density and get really strong bones, which is why you'll see um, athletes or people who participate in lots of exercise who lose their period, they're more prone to injuries like stress fractures because their bones aren't being supported with recovery. So once you ovulate, estrogen kind of uh, takes a bit of a pause and my favorite hormone, I shouldn't play favorites, but progesterone, who gets far less attention. She um, is the star of the show in the second part of your cycle. And pr progesterone literally stands for progestation, so pro-pregnancy. Um, and what that means is it, it promotes uh, recovery, rest, sleep. So we sleep really well in that second part of our cycle. Uh, progesterone also makes your brain produce a neurotransmitter. So lots of women would have heard of dopamine or serotonin before, but there's another one called GABA, which makes us feel a sense of calmness as well and contentment, which is really amazing. And it's when progesterone takes a dive. So progesterone is produced by a gland that's left behind after ovulation, but that gland only lasts for two weeks. So if a female was to fall pregnant, then her progesterone levels would go through the roof. But if she doesn't conceive, then eventually because of that gland's lifespan, that gland dies, her progesterone levels fall, and then you get that experience of a period or a fall away of your uterine lining. But if you think about progesterone being wonderful for making that neurotransmitter GABA, and then when you stop making progesterone when you're about to get your period, that's where women tend to experience that PMS side effect um, because you're literally withdrawing from something that makes your brain feel quite nice. So those two hormones, estrogen and progesterone, are incredible. Um, but if I could just quickly mention a third, females also make testosterone. And I think we need to change the conversation around it being a male sex hormone because all females make testosterone. And testosterone is uh, dominant in the first half of our cycle where estrogen is also taking place. And again, testosterone kind of unsurprisingly helps females with libido, which I think is pretty cool.
that's really fascinating and it kind of slots in with something me and Izzy have been talking about, which is this idea of kind of championing your cycle. Yes. So aligning the things that you do in your productivity and what's going on with your life with the right times of the month. So can you kind of explain what that idea looks like in real life? Absolutely. So championing your cycle um, kind of is a bigger theme. It's just around appreciating that females are not linear beings because of that rise and fall of the different sex hormones across our cycle. So when, if you have a, a cycle, so, you know, you have bleeding occurring across your calendar month, then you can track your cycle. So all you need to do is you can either use like a good old calendar. My mum used to cross like my period day on, on the calendar when I was younger, which is interesting. Um, but now we have good old cell phones, which have lots of apps that people can use. Your first day of your cycle is your first bleed day. And then you count to your next first day of your cycle. And that gives you an average length of cycle. If you have an average length of about 28 days between those first days of your period, then you probably ovulate at around day 14 to 16. So then you can separate your cycle into pre-ovulation, where estrogen is dominant, and post-ovulation, where progesterone is dominant. Some people working in this space will talk about four phases of your cycle because they count the period itself and ovulation as a separate part of your cycle which technically is true but I think that makes it more complicated than it needs to be so I just teach my clients to count pre and post ovulation and then you could have a think about you know I was saying earlier that estrogen helps us to you know want to be active and set those pbs it helps us to be really productive and have mental clarity and higher libido but there is in the second half of your cycle it's more around rest recovery and then in the, the days prior to your period you've got that drop in progesterone which is going to make you feel less emotionally resilient because you don't have that gap in neurotransmitter there to support you anymore i don't think you have to make every life decision from your cycle but if you can have some self-compassion that hey maybe that task i'm being asked to do at work that feels like a lot of responsibility i'm going to be much better at that in the first half of my cycle than the second half of my cycle. So if I have the ability to kind of set boundaries um, and control my own timetable, saying, absolutely, I'd love to help you with that project. You know, are we able to do that next week? Or can we book that for the first uh, part of the month for me? I think that's what women can get more clever about when we're, um, yeah, considering our roles and responsibilities in life. If you're somebody who enjoys moving your body every day as part of your kind of well-being and self-care uh, toolbox, then having a think about if that run or that high intensity training didn't feel awesome right before your period, absolutely having appreciation and understanding that that's that part of your cycle where movement isn't going to feel okay. It's not that you're suddenly not good at running anymore or that you're losing your fitness or whatever we tell ourselves. And maybe some more gentle movements like yoga or Pilates or swimming or walking would have been much better aligned for where you're at in your cycle. So really it's just around having some awareness, which hormones dominant right now and what does that mean for my physical state and my mental and emotional state? So, so, so interesting. Mm. Um, what do you think, so we're like just learning about this now and realizing that we could have been, I don't know, a lot more productive um, and probably much better at sport and activities if we'd known this. <laughs> but what do you think, um, I'm going to blame it on that, is the one thing you wish more women knew about their cycles? That having a period is important, actually. It still blows my mind the amount of, uh, particularly younger females that I meet that are really kind of happy and content with not having a period, whether it's that they've, I don't know, like recently been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, a condition where cycles are really irregular, or I work a lot with uh, people who are experiencing disordered eating or body image concerns or eating disorders. 
um, and trying to get them to appreciate that sense of a period well beyond fertility. I think it's a lot easier for females who maybe are um, at a time in their life when they're wanting to think about having a family or making that choice for themselves. Um, and it's kind of easier to get them to um, be excited about having a period. But if somebody doesn't have um, motherhood in mind right now or can't see it in their future, I do find it's a little bit harder to um, inspire that younger generation to see their period as something that's really important. There's such a huge amount of conversation about specifically the contraceptive pill. Um, me and Izzy did a big episode about the pill and we had such a polarised response from our listeners. It was kind of one of the highest engaged feedback kind of questions we've ever sent out because it seems like everyone's kind of had mm. a, an experience whether it's either good or bad it tends to be like one side of the, or the other um mm. what has been your experience with either the pill or with like miscommunications that women tend to have about the pill yeah I think, I mean, I always like to acknowledge the fact that we are so, I shouldn't say lucky because that feels like the wrong word, but I'm really thankful that females before us had to go through the process of lobbying and getting the right to birth control. I think that that's a really important kind of point in this conversation. Um, but I also believe that the way that the pill is used and prescribed um, isn't uh, with informed choice or consent from, a, from most females. So the pill, whether it's the combined or like a progesterone only pill, they're all different in terms of their ratio of estrogen and progesterone. They contain synthetic versions of those female sex hormones. So they're not bio-identical to what our bodies make. And what those hormones do is they travel in your bloodstream. And at the beginning of our conversation today, I was talking about that hypothalamus, the part of your brain controlling all of this. Your hypothalamus reads the presence of those hormones in your bloodstream as you've already ovulated, so it shuts down the process at the brain level. And, and when you understand that the pill means that you're actually not ovulating, that's how it works as a contraception, among some other things, um, you, there is a really strong correlation, and it's well documented in research, a strong correlation between anxiety and depression and birth control use. And I'm not saying that it absolutely gives females anxiety and depression. I'm saying that if you have a mental health history or you notice that your mood changes when you go on birth control, being able to have the conversation with your GP or your health practitioner around is there a better option or would it be worth trialing something else in the interest of your mental health, first of all. Mm. Um, there's also this massive misconception that a, a bleed on a pill is a period and it's not, it's very different. I said just before that your brain's shutting off ovulation at that level when you take the pill. And technically, a healthy period means that ovulation would have occurred. You get that development of your uterine lining after ovulation, and then that uterine lining falls away. None of that happens when you're on the pill. It's a drug-induced withdrawal bleed, where you have a dip in the progesterone component of that pill, causing a fall away of your of, um, lining, but it's not the same as a true period. And I've met a lot of women who come to see me um, and they presented to a doctor, you know, many moons ago or like the school nurse or whatever, saying that they were having irregular periods and they were put on the pill as a solution to that problem. Um, and it's not a solution. It's a band-aid creating that pill bleed effect, which gives a female the perception that she's having a regular cycle. And I think the other misconception um, or what's not properly spoken about is the fact that it can take a, quite a long time for your, your true period to become regular um, again after long-term use of birth control. So the majority of my client base, uh, you know, they came off the pill six, 
10, 18 months ago, and they're wanting to get their cycle back and learn more about their period. And we're having to, you know, explain that, you know, ovulation has been shut down for two, three, five, ten 10 years in some cases. And we, you know, your body has to learn how to do that again and supporting the internal environment with stress management and looking at exercise and food, et cetera, to help that to happen is a big conversation. But yeah, I think the pill's an interesting one. There's no perfect, mm. honestly, there's no perfect birth control method in my opinion. Mm. And I have to be careful because I'm a dietitian, not a doctor. Um, but I think the right to inform choice is really important in doing your research around different birth control options and what you're looking for from birth control. And if it's around just looking to regulate your period or manage your cycle, I definitely encourage you to, to think beyond medication and have a think about what else you could be doing. Um, you know, if you're in a relationship, having a conversation around your health goals and, and how your partner could be supporting you with contraception choices. But, you know, here in New Zealand, we have uh, like family planning, have amazing educational resources on their website of the different birth controls and all the side effects are listed. You can read it yourself um, and have a chat about which one's going to be uh, the best fit for you, I guess. This is kind of a big question that I don't expect you to know the answer to, but um, hormonal acne is still such a big issue for so many women we know, um, including myself, since I came off the pill like two years ago. Um, but it can just be like so hard to get rid of. What is something that you would suggest women do to kind of try to get to the bottom of it? Mm. Post-pill acne is probably a little bit different to just yeah. like your traditional hormonal acne. I'm not sure if this was discussed in the episode. I should have listened beforehand. <laughs> the episode um, when you were speaking about the pill. But one of the side effects of the pill that they weren't expecting to find is that it shuts, uh, reduces the production of an oil called sebum which is produced by your skin. And your skin is a protective barrier to the, from the outside world, protecting your internal body, which I don't think we ever think about. And that sebum oil is part of um, your skin's integrity in terms of maintaining that protective barrier. So when you go on the pill and that production of that oil is suppressed, your body will upregulate production to try and maintain that protective barrier. Um, but what happens is when you come off the pill, the upregulation is still occurring without the opposing downregulation of the pill anymore. And that leads to, you know, the breakouts when you come off birth control. They tend to settle over time, but it does take time. And I guess, you know, the strategies that I would help women with are the post-pill acne or just your hormonal acne. Number one, I would look at uh, a hormone called insulin. So when we eat carbohydrate foods in particular, we make a hormone called insulin to help to clear our blood sugar levels after we eat. But there's some evidence that high insulin levels and high blood sugar levels, there's a correlation between those things and acne for some people. So I don't encourage cutting of carbohydrates. That's not what I do at all. God, what I'm having pasta for dinner. <laughs> no, still have the pasta. Have the pasta. Eat the um, pasta. Eat the pasta. But what I would say is making sure you're including protein in that same meal. So, you know, if you're having pasta, for example, can you be using things like, I don't know, lentils and chickpeas? Or can mm. you be using, um, you know, meat or including... Uh, nuts and seeds and things to help uh, slow down that carb digestion. It slows the insulin response if you include protein at the same time as carbohydrate. And also trying to up the fiber. Fiber content of your meal also slows down that insulin response. So, you know, rather than your, I don't know, generic white macaroni, there's like the most incredible like lentil and pulse pastas that are super high in protein and fiber and they taste really good as well. 
Um, so just making tiny little adjustments like that can be really helpful mm. for reducing that insulin response and therefore reducing the likelihood of that inflammation and breakouts. I also use uh, zinc supplementation with my clients kind of therapeutically because it helps to um, improve wound healing time and that skin cell uh, regeneration, which is really important. Um, and looking at things like hydration and vitamin C is also really important for helping with that acne and skin health too. Amazing. Something we've been kind of surprised to realize in our research for this whole project is that period shame kind of remains this very real thing, especially among kind of teenage girls. We wanted to know if this is something that you encounter regularly with your work and if so, what the best ways are to go about combating it. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm sure like I can distinctly remember being in high school and, you know, not tracking my, like what 15 year old remembers to track their cycle and, you know, like having to ferret around in your school bag for a tampon and kind of like hold it in your hand and pray that you don't get bumped into and drop the tampon in front of people while you're on the way to the bathroom. I don't know if you guys have memories like that. Yeah. Or like being, yeah, like, just being embarrassed like, to recently. buy them, like being so yeah so embarrassed and if it was like a guy at the checkout wanting to go to a girl only checkout or something absolutely it's like you know it's terrifying to buy tampons condoms or a pregnancy test when it shouldn't be terrifying Mm. to buy any of those things um so yes i definitely think that period shame is still a thing among young females but that's why i hope you know, talking about it, calling it, you know, auntie flow or your monthly or shark week or whatever you want to name it affectionately, understanding that it's, it's really normal and should be celebrated. And I think having the conversation is really important. I think it does start at, you know, in the home and at a school level. Like, again, I can remember being in high school and the sex education and the health education that was compulsory for us at the age of whatever, 13 or 14, it was all, you know, based on not getting an STI or condoms. It wasn't around, this is is why having a period is really important for your health. And, you know, here's some information around sanitary items and this is what's normal about a period or not normal about a period. I don't remember any of that conversation taking place. And I've had have clients who are teachers um, and that they have told me that it's changing and I think because those teachers obviously have a period and they're interested and they see the importance of of having a healthy cycle so they're bringing that conversation into the classroom as well so yes I think period shame is definitely still a thing I would like to think it's improving but I think it's all of our responsibility to talk about it more because you know not talking about it is how shame perpetuates so the more conversation we have the better amazing thank you so much you've been so insightful i'm like off to fuck off my pasta and buy some zinc yeah <laughs> eat the pasta aren't you shocked izzy that we're understanding even just the basic science of what a period is for the first time i just i find that baffling that we're both nearly 30 i know i know i know we just have one more question for you sarah um mm-hmm. we just wanted to finish by asking given all that and given all the shame and everything that we're just learning now, well, we are just learning now. Um, what is the advice you'd kind of give to your younger self about all of this? Oh, what a good question. I wish this wasn't like, you know, live. So I could sit here and ponder a really deep answer. Um, <laughs> what would I track say to my period. Track your period. Honestly, I would say track your period. Yeah. Um, period pain is not normal. 
um, and, and actually listen to your internal whispers. We all have intuition and most of the women that I meet, and I can think about my own kind of journey with my period in my house, I knew that something wasn't right. I knew that it wasn't awesome to not have a period. But I think in like the busyness of, you know, in my context, wanting to achieve completion of this ultra marathon, I wasn't prepared to listen to the whispers and do something about it. And if you don't listen to the whispers, I can't remember what the saying is, but you know, they do become screams and something, mm. you know. Um, it's such a classic thing for women too, to ignore yeah. the signs our bodies are giving us. And yeah, downplay totally. your pain to people. And mm. keep yeah. Oh gosh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So yeah, know that having, um, it's not normal to have pain. It's not normal to not have a period and that you can do something about it. I think that's the most exciting thing about my work is giving women tools to do something about it. It's pretty cool. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot of um, uh, info. Yeah, information. Information out of it. Um, we will be back again in two weeks' time to talk more. We're going to be speaking on that episode about vaginal shame, period shame, period sex, um, all of STIs, everything that people generally deem to... Um, taboo to talk about so we will see you then see you then thank you so much for listening and um if you found this episode informational or helpful just you don't even have to rate review and subscribe although we'd love it if you did but just send it to a few of your friends who maybe aren't awd listeners who you think might get something out of it and young listeners as well young people as well yeah young people you know who might um not know this information and just uh spread the word bye love you bye bye Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.